The Fitness Reborn podcast is a companion piece to Renaissance Fitness personal training. This podcast is to serve as educational and entertainment purposes only. It does not in any way constitute as medical advice. If you have a medical concern, please seek out your provider. Hello and welcome. This is the latest episode of the Fitness Reborn podcast. My name is Sean from Renaissance Fitness Personal Training, where we put movement ahead of workouts. And my guest today is Philippa Butler. <laughs> I had to practice that a little bit. Philippa Butler is a physiotherapist, uh, a movement specialist who specializes in menopause. And i um, really excited to have her here with me because... A lot of the stuff that I've seen from her website and her articles and things like that, they all really jive pretty well with my own philosophies as a trainer and as an exercise specialist. So, Philippa, thank you for joining me. Well, thank you, Sean, for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be chatting with you today. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as you probably already can tell, she's in the UK. It's probably, what, four in the afternoon by where you're at? Have you had the time change yet? Yes, today, actually, yes. Ah, so, yeah. <laughs> gotcha, because I, I spoke last week, I spoke to an, another uh, another guy who was in the UK. I asked him the same question. He's like, no, actually, we haven't had the time change, so <laughs> that'll be next week. All right, but uh, cool. Well, thanks for your time. And, um, you know, like, like I said, I saw a lot of in, in your profile, in your own work, that is, I see a lot of parallels to my own, and... So I'm really kind of interested to hear what you have to say. So you have this company, it's called Precision, right? It's your own your own outfits, Precision? Yeah, that is it. It's me. I am Precision. There's nobody else involved, just me. Okay. All right. So you're Precision personified. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so let's just start with there, though. So what do you do at Precision? What do you do for your clients? Well, I work in a variety of ways, uh, some of which is virtually online, teaching yoga and Pilates group sessions, and, uh, and also in person. I have a studio in my home, and people come and visit me uh, with their body aches and pains because, obviously, I'm a physiotherapist as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something I've – it's all I've ever done is what I always say. Uh, I trained to be a physiotherapist when I was 18, and I've been doing it ever since, 30 plus years. Uh, you know, and over that time, I've added to my repertoire of skills, Pilates, clinical Pilates, uh, therapeutic yoga, and, uh, and I'm an acupuncture trained physiotherapist as well. So I kind of have that, uh, uh, you know, the East meets West, sort of vibe going on right. which um and then i'm fascinated by nutrition sean but you know i'm a holistic practitioner and as much as i'm interested in all the things that we can do whether it's food movement meditation uh, you know working with the mind the thoughts that we think whatever it is that we can do to live our lives uh to the fullest really right right but you kind of narrow your focus to one particular area which is menopause. Now, I know that um, just from my own conversation, since I've been doing this podcast, it's coming up on a year now. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of guests on who do work with uh, kind of pre-menopausal women, menopausal women, or post-menopausal women. And it's, uh, it's kind of hit me as being like this growing topic of concern, um, not just where I'm at, but also, you know, 
in Europe as well, and possibly other places, although I just haven't had much connection with anyone in Asia or Africa or anything like that. Um, so it's really kind of, I, it's been brought to my attention as something that's of uh, top concern now among exercise specialists. Um, so what made you kind of, kind of zero your focus in on menopause of all things? Well, uh, my own menopause, basically, mm -hmm. was, the, was what brought my mind into focus around this topic. And, you know, it was really around struggling with symptoms, uh, kind of knowing that this was going on, but not realizing that there were so many things that I could have been doing that maybe I wasn't doing. And, um, and that, you know, the, there's so many people who still are not knowing around the effects that declining estrogen levels in particular will have on our bodies, our brains, our tissues, muscle tissue, bone tissue, you name it, tissue. Um, you know, that really as trainers in particular, it's really helpful for us to have an understanding of, but then for our clients to really be empowered to to manage this transition. And, uh, you know, and like you said, Perry approaching menopause, Menopause is one day in your life when your periods stop and then you're postmenopausal for the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, so I kind of say menopause never really ends. And I, and I think um, that's important for us to remember when we're working with women or, you know, if we are a woman. Right. Uh, I guess menopause, you said menopause never really ends. So... Okay, so I guess if you if you look at it kind of in a long picture sort of way, then because you know once you hit puberty, you're female, obviously you hit puberty, you have your monthly cycles, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much in a way almost kind of like dominates your 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 life from that point on because it's mm -hmm. either like the monthly cycles, and then maybe you have children, and then you go into perimenopause or menopause, and then you're and then after the postmenopause, so it's just kind of like it's kind of like this uh, this like um, omnipresent kind mm -hmm. of thing that is yeah. in your life from the time that you're maybe twelve or, and beyond. And so, yeah, yeah, what you said that, yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Well, it's a reproductive continuum, is what you described right. in there from puberty uh, through to postmenopause. And, you know, all, all women will experience this differently is, is the thing, actually. You know, uh, young women might struggle with migraines around uh, the cycle. Uh, people might have polycystic ovary syndrome. You know, there's all sorts of uh, conditions that we might experience around our cycle. Now, I was somebody who was very lucky in as much as my own cycle was never really anything that... Uh, caused me any cause for concern. It was maybe a couple of days when I was very slightly uh, touchy or uh, over-emotional or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But apart from that, it passed by, you know, relative, with relative ease. And actually, that's the case for lots of women who exercise regularly, that the, uh, the menstrual cycle can be ameliorated to some extent by, by being phys physical on a regular basis. But uh, coming to, you know, approaching menopause from being the age of uh, 45, I started to experience symptoms that, uh, and for me, predominantly, it was around insomnia. 
So there are lots of symptoms that you might not necessarily associate with menopause and uh, sleeplessness. And it wasn't because I was burning up or on fire in the night. It was it was merely that I was finding it impossible to stay awake. Uh, sorry, to, to remain asleep. And, um, you know, and this for, for a long time began to dominate my life because when you can't sleep, uh, you know, you're fatigued, brain fog sets in, it can affect your mood. And so I started to sort of explore what was happening to me and, and what could I do about it. And I suppose the thing that I should point out is that I've always had this kind of propensity for natural approaches to health and wellness. So, you know, what could I do around food, nutrition? What could I do around movement? What could I do... Um, around managing my emotions, my environment, you know, all of these uh, strategies for me were going to be natural approaches. So, uh, you know, it, it kind of was a bit of a blow actually when I discovered that despite my best efforts, this symptom was proving to be stubborn and very difficult to overcome. And believe me, I tried everything. <laughs> I was very vigilant for a very long time and still it proved very difficult. And it really was only when I elected to undertake hormone replacement therapy that uh, that really that symptom began to abate. Uh, you know, and that was five years of trying. So I, I really did give it a good go. So... You know, all right. So, you know, when you're de when you're approaching this issue with women um, now, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that you kind of like you had moments when you were, you know, your, your cycle when you were going through menopause where you were like you're a bit irritable. OK, a bit like, you know, don't go near her. That kind of leave me alone. That kind of thing here. So, I mean, menopause, it's kind of almost like a. It's kind of been made almost to like a joke. Um where, you know, that, that, that kind of thing has been used for, like, fathers, like, mm, she's going through her time, so mm -hmm. that's why she's so cranky, blah, blah, blah. And it's, you know, there's been, and there's been pushback in the last 50 years or so against that from, you know, women's advocacy, advocacy groups and things like that, saying, uh, you know, they think that that type of thing, like kind of stigma, where it does kind of make you kind of cranky and bitter and, you know, maybe make you a little bit emotionally unstable, um, has been used against women to keep them from, you know, certain, you know, positions in life. And so, but here you are, you just said, you know, yeah, well, I did kind of notice that where I was just, my emotions were kind of all over the place. So um, I think now it seems like we're getting to a point now where we're kind of embracing that, acknowledging that that is a thing, that when your hormones are going through a transition, that is a thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, still we want to kind of avoid this being overly stigmatized by it. You know, I, I know I'm kind of getting kind of, Brand with that, but. No, no, it's important to, to acknowledge this, that what we're talking about is women understanding their own selves, their own signs and symptoms, their own, the cyclical nature uh, mm. of their own bodies, because if we can, we can tap into that. I mean, we know that they are uh, working with sports women to predict the cycle and, and to try and get key performance dates you know around the cycle or maybe the other way around 
so so that they can because at some times of the month honestly we're invincible and uh, you know I could work harder and run faster than I ever could at, at another time of the month so you know it, it has its positives as well as its negatives and it, it and it really is just around it's not it's not negative it's just it's just the nature of the beast that we are we are these hormonal fluctuating beings and we you think of it like the tide you know the tide ebbs and flows we don't judge it mm -hmm. so yes. yeah yeah no, i think it's a fair point to make so in, in your own practice then so mm -hmm. i i, I it's probably fair to say that most trained physiotherapists don't necessarily work, you know, with trying to, you know, mitigate menopausal symptoms. Mm. Is that fair? Is that fair enough? So, yeah, you know, I, I think especially physiotherapists who are working in our health services in the United Kingdom, uh, the time that that would take is sadly lacking. So although, uh, you know, if there is one professional that you will see, encounter i think uh, of all of them a physiotherapist is a very holistic practitioner you know we take we take a, a detailed history of of what is going on with a client when we see them or uh, speak with them and and so you know that's around putting all the different pieces of the puzzle together to get them to this place where we offer the appropriate interventions so you know Doctors, sometimes the medical, particularly over here, where, you know, they're strapped for time and you can only have one problem at once. And, uh, you know, menopause really is more than one problem at once. You, you're going to find a, a, a group of symptoms together that will characterize uh, the, that fluctuating, those fluctuating hormones. So, uh, you know, by the same token, the time is a factor for physiotherapists in clinic. And so, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, I did a, a particular training, which was menopause for physiotherapists. And I did that a couple of years ago. And actually, it really brought home to me how there are a lot of conditions that uh, exercising women might experience as well uh, that are associated with these fluctuating hormonal levels. And so, uh, tendinopathies is one of them. Frozen shoulder is another one. Uh, and so these are physical manifestations, physical consequences of the fluctuating or decreasing estrogen levels. So uh, tendinopathies are things like tennis elbow, plantar fasciitis, uh, Achilles tendinopathy, that's the tendoachilles tendon at the back of your ankle. So that we know that this, these decreasing levels of estrogen can have a bearing on conditions, uh, physical conditions. Now, so I kind of feel like historically back when I was a young physiotherapist, I may not have been aware of that. And, uh, and so, you know, as part of our history taking, it's useful for us to know where a woman is on that uh, hormone highway, if you want to... Uh, Think of it that way, and that you know, menopause, perimenopause can begin in our early forties, as as early as our uh, early forties, and and that you know these tendinopathies might be the first thing that people are experiencing that give us a little window into what is happening with them hormonally. So, uh, 
Yeah, so yeah, physiotherapy really does fit very well in this regard in as much as the more we can understand about the people in front of us, the better the interventions we will will be offering. So how do you narrow it down if you're working with a woman? Okay, you can probably you could probably say, well, let's say she's 50 years old. So you can probably guess that, you know, at least, you know, her her hormonal transitions have something to do with the things that she's saying that she's struggling with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you really, how do you really isolate that as like the driving factor, as opposed to maybe something that's more like a kind of a peripheral kind of factor than, mm-hmm. or is there a way to do that? Well, yeah, that's quite hard actually. I mean, you know, the, the way in which hormone replacement therapy is prescribed to women is basically on a, on a symptomatic basis Mm -hmm. so you know for the most part they're not once you get to that sort of age around the 50 mark then we we're pretty much definitely headed there if not already there so so then testing the uh, the hormone levels is you know maybe surplus to requirements and certainly in this country that's the guidance given to doctors um you know because it'll be a foregone conclusion so, uh, so to unpick that can be really difficult, and you know, not everybody will experience symptoms, but everybody, every woman is going through that transition at some point, sooner or later. Right. And you know, so so yeah, it is re- can be really difficult to unpick. But basically, you know, my kind of standpoint is that uh, one prevention is better than cure. So if the coming to us. Uh, wanting to be fitter, healthier, stronger, uh, which is more likely the case for you, I'm sure, that then we take this into consideration with the programs that we prescribe. And so we know that uh, those estrogen receptors in uh, the bones, the brains, collagen is changing. Um, You know, we know that the areas that we need to target are strength training for one, um, and also form. I mean, I'm an absolute form fanatic because of of wanting to make sure that when people are working out, they're not putting their bodies into positions that are going to compromise certain structures in particular are very vulnerable. Um, and one that I can name is uh, in the shoulder, in and around the shoulder, in the subacromial space. Uh, we get uh, less space in and around that area. And so we're more prone to impingement, impinging on tendons uh, that pass uh, underneath the acromion in the shoulder. And and this is a very common condition that lots of people will can potentially experience. So many people have shoulder pain and women in particular. So we kind of know that this if it's not already a problem, then it could be something that's just around the corner. And particularly if we start doing a lot of overhead training, for instance. So, you know, we can optimize the situation for people at the very outset by making sure that the form is is uh, fabulous. And, uh, and then, you know, little things that I understand around the alignment of the head and neck being so very important when we're doing our overhead training. So, You know, it's kind of, for me, it's about bringing my physiotherapy awareness into the programs that I teach to 
uh, to strengthen, condition women so that they can handle their own body weight for one and uh, and touch the toes, scratch up the back of between the shoulder blades, reach to the top shelf, balance on one leg. You know, all these things that are important for us, if we're going to stay safe and healthy with the, uh, you know, the, uh, as we traverse through the rest of our lives. Right. You, okay, you said something, you said, um, you said one prevention is better than any cure. Did I hear that right? One prevention is better than all cures or something like that? Okay, I didn't mean any cure. Okay. It's just a kind of a generic sort of thing that I, I really favor prevention. Preventative right. medicine is, is what okay. I'm talking about. Lifestyle uh, as, as a medicine. So that all the things that we can do to be as healthy as we possibly can with uh, weather time, I mean, you know, the clock's ticking for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're younger or older, it's still ticking, isn't it? It's only right. one way. <laughs> right, right. No, I no, I, I kind of got got at what you were trying to say with that. And I kind of agree. Like, and I think this is becoming more and more common now. We're hearing prevention is better than waiting for something to happen and then hoping that there's some sort of cure out there mm. for what's going on with you. Mm. Um, and I think the more that's emphasized, the better. So probably what you said earlier is like, if you're already pretty active and you're on top of the stuff already, and once you cross over into this part of your life, then it just, it's possibly a, a bit easier to navigate versus, you know, you just now getting onto it, but now but even still now better than never. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I thought, I thought that was, that was interesting or that was a, that was a good uh, way to kind of summarize it too. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, you're calling upon your your training as a physiotherapist when working with uh, women going through menopause here. So, does um, I mean, I think maybe I asked this earlier, but I think I'll put a different spin on it. So, physiotherapy doesn't necessarily train you for working with uh, women who are going through hormonal changes. No. Somehow, you have outfitted it to do that in a kind of a either a direct or indirect sort of way. Um, yeah, so kind of go into go into that a little bit more. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is exactly what's happened. It's evolved the way in which I work. The knowledge that I've been uh, gaining and uh, seeking over the last two, uh, almost three years now, of my own uh, journey to really understand as much of this stuff for myself as I possibly can, has definitely informed the way that I work with people. And so, you know, the common challenges around this time, um, you know, sleep deprivation is a very mm-hmm. common problem that people will be struggling with for, for many reasons. Um, emotional disruptions, emotional disturbances. And, and you know, this uh, two-way street between the brain and the body, that's how we feel emotionally can, can really influence uh, how we feel physically. Uh, fatigue, for instance, is something that, you know, is very much a two-way street. And uh, and uh, depression, anxiety, all of those things. So, so that, uh, you know, for me, it's around how can I make sure that people are moving in a way that is nurturing the bodies in the most appropriate manner. And so, uh, you know, over this time, I've trained to be a yoga teacher. I, I've been a Pilates teacher uh, for 17 years, and that's something that I've really enjoyed as um, 
as an approach to movement where we are incorporating a lot of technique into the movements that we make, a lot of uh, control, precision. That's where the business name came from, actually. And, uh, and, and, uh, focus. So, you know, a, a whole lot of focus on every movement that we make and, uh, the bit of the body that we're targeting. And so we, we're really developing our mind body connection when we do that. And then, of course, uh, you know, with my own issues around menopause, I was beginning to explore yoga a lot more. And uh, not just the movements, but the breath techniques and the meditation techniques. And so I found that that is something that really works very well to particularly around uh, energy and uh, sleeplessness. And then if, if we think only of the yoga movements, then, of course, we're preserving our joint function by remaining supple. So, uh, you know, we need to be supple we need stamina to deal with our lives. We need strength to manipulate, the, you know, objects around our lives. We need, um, I can't think of another one that begins with S, steadiness. There you go, for balance. <laughs> and uh, and so this, these are the sort of uh, metric, um, the uh, the elements that I incorporate into, into the programs because, you know, the work that I've done leads me to understand that really – you know, being able to balance on one leg could ultimately save our lives one day. And uh, and the faster that we walk, the, the longer that we will live. So, you know, there's a lot of evidence that I've been uh, distilling and incorporating into my own knowledge base. And as much as possible, I try to pass this along to the people that I work with. And then let's not forget the pelvic floor. <laughs> so, yeah, the pelvic uh, the, 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 the almighty pelvic floor. Yeah, that's been coming up over and over again, yeah. Yeah, well, quite. So pelvic health is something, uh, you know, with our de decreasing uh, hormonal levels, then the, the, um, the pelvic floor, it's a muscle like all the other muscles. It's made of collagen, and, uh, and so these tissues are affected and become less resilient. And if we haven't already been working on those uh, pelvic floor muscle training exercises, then there's really no time like around the menopause to be to be thinking about that. Um, and so I've, I've learned a whole lot for myself uh, around pelvic health. And, and there's a lot in yoga, uh, the bandhas, right. you know, the Uddiyana Banda is, is going to speak to, the navel is going to speak to the pelvic floor. And then, of course, the uh, Mula Banda is the pelvic floor. So, you know, that's very much within yoga. And actually in Pilates, the transversus abdominis that we're speaking to in Pilates, that also speaks to the pelvic floor. So, you know, all of this stuff really starts to kind of come together like a jigsaw puzzle. And although the classes that I teach, I keep these two disciplines separate. When I work with an individual, you know, we, we pick and mix and we take what works. And sometimes it's Pilates and sometimes it's yoga and sometimes it's physiotherapy and sometimes it's uh, cupping, you know, whatever whatever's required really. And it's usually there's a little bit of advice around nutrition and, uh, you know, mindfulness. And, oh, my gosh, the list goes on. <laughs> so fun functional training, that's a it's kind of a hot buzzword that's been picked up. 
pretty pretty recently within the last 10 years or so, probably maybe a little longer. Um, so what is your what is your definition of functional training? Because everything that you just spoke about could easily be uh, categorized as functional training. But then, you know, people have this kind of, there is sort of this um, amorphous definition to what is functional training, you know, because you can apply it in a good way and a bad way. You know, if, you know, if you spend all day long sitting at a computer for, you know, 30 years or so, and then your shoulders are like this, you're hunched over now. Well, because your body has molded to that chair you've been stuck in for 30 years. Well, that is, that is a functional practice. Your body is now functioning in the way that you have conditioned it to function. So, um, so kind of put, put, tell, tell us what your take on that is. Well, you know, my take on functional training is the things you need to do to function optimally. And, and you know, so what is optimal function? Like you say, if, if sitting in an office chair is, is what your work demands of you, then, yeah, we need to be able to do that. But by the same token, doing that all day is actually uh, has negative ramifications for your health. So actually, in our training, we'd want to be doing something different, wouldn't we? And uh, and so if you spend a lot of your day bent over, then I'd think about working the back of you a bit more when you're uh, when you're not mm-hmm. sitting down. But um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I, I do think that uh, these uh, names, uh, you know, that get banded about the terminology. It's it's just a way for somebody to be able to differentiate themselves in the marketplace that is so competitive. And uh, if you can give it a name, better still, if you can uh, copyright it, uh, then you know, then that's good for them, isn't it? But actually. I don't think there's there's a right way of doing this stuff. I think that everybody's body is different and that, you know, some of us will be hypermobile. Some of us will be erring on the stiffer side of the house. And, uh, and, and also, what are the demands of your life? Are you an athlete? Are you a house mom? Are you, you know, what, what are you doing in your day? Uh, what what sorts of things do we need to prepare you for? And, and what I do know without a shadow of a doubt is, you know, for people who have physical jobs, just doing the job alone is not enough to keep them fit. You know, we need to train to be fit to do the things that we do, that we want to do. And, and actually, as we're getting older, we have to train a little bit harder for life to feel easy still. And that's the, you know, for me, that's why I want to work with people to train them so that life feels easier, as easy as it could. So just so just doing a physically laborious job is not, is not enough. So the, just doing a construction job, that's not gonna cut it. <laughs> you gotta have more. <laughs> well, no, because, you know, when you do too much of any one thing, then that has negative ramifications, doesn't it? So, right, right. yeah, so it, it's more around uh, they, they might not need to work out, but they probably could do benefit from doing some yoga stretches. You know, so it's it's around that balance, balance in the, the lives that we live. Um, if you're physically active in your job, we need more nurturing movements. We need to make sure that whatever you do when you are going about your work, is uh, ergonomic and efficient and we're doing it in a way that puts the least load on vulnerable structures like the discs in your spine so yeah you know we need 
being physical is is part of definitely part of it but you can have too much of a good thing and if you're stiff and you're being called upon to shovel something from the ground high to somewhere high up you know then you're going to come unstuck eventually so that's kind of what i meant really right yeah uh no i think you're perfectly i think you're completely right about that because you raise an interesting point like if you do something over and over again, especially with bad form, if you're bending over, picking up, lifting things, and just you know not being respectful of how how your body actually moves, the joints that are involved and stuff like that, or how your spine is being impacted, then that's going to cost you later on with probably a severe back injury. Um, so yeah, I think that that raises a, a very good point, and this kind of br- brushes up against you know a lot of the people who are not hugely fans into functional training as we know it so to speak um this comes from you know kind of a hyper hyper specialized area of exercise where you know like hypertrophy and bodybuilding and things Mm -hmm. like that where you know if you want to build bigger muscles you can't just be all over the place with this variety stuff you know the muscles got to adapt the muscles have to learn and break down from what you're doing from constant repetition and things like that's how it gets bigger you know stuff like that but you know a lot of the other people like um like yourself who are preaching variety is actually what's going to keep your body healthy maybe you won't get the uh, aesthetics from it necessarily uh, although you will get a, ni- a nicer looking body it depends what aesthetic we're looking for and actually right. you you speak to someone who is the mother of a bodybuilder <laughs> so i oh my gosh i'm constantly banging my head on my wall the wall with that son of mine who just getting bigger and bigger and bigger is is where he's at and mm. and yeah you know so i totally uh you know leg days uh yeah, i get it leg and, leg and back whatever they do i, I <laughs> But I think, um, yeah, I think you can, like with all things, you can take it to the extreme where it becomes Mm -hmm. potentially unhealthy because, you know, the world's strongest man probably couldn't outrun, uh, you know, something if he had to, uh, just put it that way. Uh, And marathon runners, you know, they're they're built like shoestrings, aren't they? So I kind of err towards something a bit more balanced in the middle, um, and, and just really thinking about, you know, what, what are the pillars of health? Uh, you know, being supple, being strong, having stamina, at least being able to handle your own body weight. And, uh, you know, I think athletes and my bodybuilding son, you know, can still take something from these practices because there's nothing attractive about somebody who's worked the front of the body so much that they end up hunched over. You know, I, I think it's important. The balance is important that we're getting uh, understanding which muscles do what and uh, and to, you know, target the muscles as much as is healthy. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no, I completely agree. Uh, I think the, that word balance there is very important here because uh, exercise, you know, I know in the U.S. and probably in the U.K. as well, exercise tends to go into extreme directions. Either mm. you're either you're either fully this or you're fully that. Mm. You, you you fit into one area or you're not. There's not much crossover. There's been very few people I've come across who have actually said, "No, this is not what all this is about." You know, this is about living a better life. Mm. You know, and 
you know, they, they kind of are going against the tide there in a way because it's very easy, like you said, especially because of uh, social media and, and, what, and everything else too, it's very easy. You have to want to package things to be as concise and as uh, refined as you possibly can. So people know exactly what you are. This is the business side of the fitness industry, right? So, so they know exactly where you fall. They know exactly what you're at. And if they can't within six seconds figure out everything about you, then, or everything about what you offer, then, you know, you're just going to, they're just going to turn away from you because they're looking for that, that certain, that, that, that hard hit certainty. Mm. <laughs> but yeah. um, no, that, that, that key word balance there, I think that is definitely missing. It can be, it can be because we're, we're looking to, to niche so much uh, that, you know, and that, so I, so I think, you know, what, what I said, living your best life, and living your best life for as long as possible. You know, I was telling this story. I, I phoned my mom up the other day because uh, this I didn't just start doing this when I was in my 50s. I, I am a lifelong, right. you know, devotee of uh, movement is my m mantra, you know. And uh, I phoned my mom up the other day and she came to the phone and she was breathless. And I said, oh, did you run to the phone? And she said, no, no. She said, I was just doing 25 push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's seventy-six, but that you know, this is this is it. It's um, it started with my dad, who was um, an athletic coach. He uh, he went on to work as a conditioning coach with uh, with a professional in professional sport, uh, but he started practicing on me when I was a, when I was a kid. And so, uh, you know, this has been in and around my life, my whole life, and so, and his, but, you know, for, for all of his life. So I'm seeing the benefits, really, in that, gen in their generation, in their lives, that, um, you know, my mum will lift weights at the gym. My dad now, uh, he, he reserves his coaching for my mum, apparently, now. She's, she's the receiver of that. And, um, and so, you know, <laughs> they go to the gym together, and do the session. Yeah, I mean it's awesome. And you know, it's a lifestyle. It's it's not a it's not I'm nipping to the gym to do a session and then the rest of my day is thrown away on junk food and uh, sitting around right. binge watching. You know, it is very much for me. Uh, I I want people to have these wonderful lives that are fulfilled and full of uh, you know the energy that it gives us uh, the the joie de vivre that uh, being physically active and, um, uh, you know, in lots of different ways. I, I, I've done triathlon and, and, and I've ridden horses and I've skied and I've done all these different things. And, and that's what I want for people, that they can do the things that, you know, they love until the day that we die. Okay. Right. So, uh, so working with... Uh, women who are either on the on the door of menopause, going through menopause, or have come through it. Um, I know this is probably hard to put your finger on, but what do you think is probably the biggest challenge that you've had, or what's the most common complaint that you've had? Well, it, it invested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think unfortunately, a lot of women are struggling with weight gain, and. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and and this is the thing that brings them to trainers oftentimes and uh you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's nodding he knows this um but but actually we can't 
exercise ourselves thin. I mean, you know, we can, but it takes a lot. Right. And and so this partnership with with nourishment and uh, you know and the nutrition that we put into our bodies, uh, and then the fact that when the declining estrogen levels are coming along, that's when we start to hold on to uh, weight around the middle. And let's not even get into um, you know what sugar's doing to people. I mean that you know in every regard. So. So they come to a trainer for this miracle cure that is uh, weight loss, and that maybe they can come to you and get that. <laughs> but that's not really my in my wheelhouse. What what I want is function for people and for them to feel well and feel healthy. So so then you know, and then as soon as we start to talk about well, you know, we can eat ourselves thin and we can move ourselves fit. So the two things have to be working together under those circumstances to make that change. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure like this is really very much in your experience. But uh, for me, then, of course, you know, people start to worry that uh, hormone replacement will potentially add to this problem. But actually... If we think that what we're doing with any intervention that levels that generates this uh, or restores the estrogen levels, then actually we're restoring normality. And so when we restore normality in the body, then then we have a better chance of being able to lose uh, weight that we're hanging on to. And let's just I mean, this is this is a whole topic in and of itself. I'm sure you will agree. That, uh, you know, why our bodies hang on to uh, calories and store them away is, is very complex and multifactorial. And that exercise alone is not the solution to that. It's part of it. It's a big part of it. I, I don't dispute that. But, you know, we need to get smarter about um, managing metabolism for women around this time. And uh, you know how we do that, whether it's with nutrition, whether with whether it's with hormonal supplementation, you know, whatever it's with, it isn't just going to be exercise that does that. Right. Uh, the hormone issue about hormone replacement issue mm -hmm. uh, or replacement therapy, like I know for myself, like I don't know how it is in the UK, but I know in the US, I know for myself, like when I go and have lab work done and blood work, like. Checking my testosterone levels is not part of the normal mm -hmm. um, list of labs that they check. So if I wanted that, I would have to go to my doctor and say, hey, I'd like to have my testosterone levels checked. Yeah. And, and you know, and I've not asked them this, but I, I gather, like, from people I've spoken to, it's like it's kind of a – it's kind of a rigmarole of things you have to go through to <laughs> the doctor to get this right because they're going to look at you like, why? Because I'm sure they get – they get – um approached by people who come to them who want mm. their testosterone levels checked for nonsense reasons like bodybuilders like because they want to they want to heighten their testosterone levels so they can get the bigger muscles and stuff mm. like that that's mm. getting like they, so they have people kind of uh almost in a way uh, drug shopping for them or something like that hormone replacement therapy drug shopping them to get higher levels of testosterone for men or something like that so mm. it's kind of getting it's kind of getting stigmatized in the way I feel like, where they're kind of suspicious of anybody who wants their hormone levels checked. If you're, unless maybe that you're at a certain age 
say you're a 60 year old woman, you say, can I have my estrogen levels checked? They might say, okay, that might be actually a good idea. It, well, but you have, to, you have to ask them. Yeah, yeah, you do. And, and the thing is that, that there are times when these results will be uh, useful and there'll be times when they won't. So um, when they're testing female hormones, they're looking at follicular stimulating hormone or FSH. And uh, you have to test on a particular day of your cycle uh, in order to get a reading that is going to be informative. So number one, you'd need to be plotting your cycle. And honestly, Sean, for the life of me, I can't remember exactly which day of your cycle it is that you should have that tested, but there is a day. Yes. Yeah? So, mm -hmm. so if you have it tested at any other time of the month, then those numbers will be misleading potentially. So uh, testing testosterone is a, is a hormone that women have also, and it is another hormone that uh, can decline as we are transitioning through towards and through menopause. And so there is talk around us having uh, not just estrogen and progesterone, but also testosterone as part of our hormone replacement uh, cocktail. And a bit like you're saying, the testosterone currently for women is proving to be a bit a bit sticky in as much as certainly the general practitioners in the um, our national health service will uh, be somewhat reluctant to test women for that. Um, and that you would be looking at a private healthcare provider in order to, you know, find that they're willing to go through that sometimes. So, you know, testing the FSH levels in a woman who's 60, we kind of know the answer to that one. Uh, you know, we know that these levels are low. What, what is it kind of, there's a gray area really, and that is that when you are receiving hormone replacement therapy, I mean, our, our hormone levels continue to decline as we age. It, it's a day, it's not, you know, a day when your period stop, but the hormone levels are on this downward trajectory then for the rest of our lives. And so if you're on a static level of hormone replacement therapy, then, you know, the, 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 the gap is going to get greater. And so, you know, that equally is going to mirror that downward trajectory. So there's a lot, there's a lot around this uh, hormone replacement therapy, and it isn't particularly my area of expertise. But what I do know is that, um, that, oh, <laughs> now, you, now I say what I do know is, and then I get a mental block. <laughs> How unfortunate. <laughs> but what I do know is that for a long time, women were being advised against hormone replacement therapy because of this increased risk, because of a purported increased risk of breast cancer. Now, what I do know is that research has subsequently been um, disproven. And so, you know, for a long time, doctors were very reluctant to prescribe these therapies because of this uh, study that was done and, uh, and, and proved that showed that uh, breast cancer risk was increased. And so, like I say, that has more recently been disproven and that uh, the risk, increased risk is, is very, very minimal. Now, obviously there's women with, um, who might have estrogen sensitive cancers. And so if you've ever had anything like that, then the chances are that you won't be appropriate, it wouldn't be appropriate for you. So, 
this is a really quite a complex area to navigate. Suffice it to say that it's always a woman's choice, number one, how they deal with this. And, um, and it's really only my personal experience that I can speak to um, and that there, there are some hormone replacement therapies will be superior to others. So synthetic hormones, for instance, that is what women were being prescribed uh, originally. That's all we had. And now we have in the United Kingdom what are called body identical hormones. And so this is something that is a little bit more, uh, your body's a little bit more equipped to deal with it. And this is where the better results are being, uh, are being demonstrated. So, uh, so that is the hormone therapy that I choose to, uh, to have for me, the thing that has helped me to sleep. It's not made me lose weight. It's not made me uh, suddenly remember everything, as you can tell. But, you know, for me, it, make, it makes a difference. And, uh, and I can tell, uh, and I know that the uh, transdermal uh, a way of dispensing these hormones into the body is shown to be the superior method so that it, a patch sticking on your skin gives you a more um, uh, even distribution over a period of a few days, uh, three days and then four days. You'll have two a week, three days and four days. And so you'll get uh, a more even distribution of those hormones over that time. And so for me, that's what's ironed out, the difficulties I was having sleeping and uh, but but you know even that on its own I, it's not a magic bullet there's there's no one solution for all ills there really you know people like to think there is or say there is but truthfully there really is not so it's it's using all of these approaches together in a in a in a magic recipe that is unique to you as an individual and so that's what i would hope that women can access, uh, have access to information and clinicians who are supportive of, of them navigating their lives in the way in which they choose, uh, you know, to be as fit and healthy as they possibly can be for as long as it's possible. Do you think the reason why a lot of this is um, becoming so talked about now or why that we are working uh, kind of clumsily sometimes to navigate our way through this and understand this better is because um, it's kind of like making up for lost time sort of way. This hasn't been really a, a focus for the, uh, the medical the medical world for, for a long time. It was just kind of something that was kind of taken for granted. Well, it happens. It's going to happen. There ain't, yeah. no, there, ain't nothing you, there ain't nothing you can do about it. You're yes, just going to so have to suffer through it. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And they're absolutely the patriarchy, as they call it. And, you know, I, I don't class myself as a feminist. And I always was kind of more of a tomboy. And, uh, and you know, all the, all the things that I did, you know, I would find myself surrounded by uh, men more than women, perhaps. But increasingly, as I have been looking into these, these areas, these subject areas, I've come to realize that um, research on women really is the poor relation. And, uh, and this is a neglected uh, women's health, uh, you know, from the navel down. We were assumed, we've been assumed in, in research studies to be the same as men. And I mean, we're not just small men, we're completely different. 
So there's, there is a lot of catching up to do. You're absolutely right. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the will is there now, I think. And also, um, you know, people are realizing this is a whole marketplace. <laughs> so we better, we better right. wake up. And, uh, you know, so that's probably driving the, a big uh, driver for this change. Well, you know, then that can only be a good thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we only got the first female skeleton in a medical school in the United Kingdom in the last 12 months. So, you know, this is demonstrating that right. uh, the way in which our medical professionals have been educated through no fault of their own is, um, is, is, is still, uh, you know, if we think education is, is, or the practices behind because the the education is behind so uh, so we're still we've got a lot of catching up to do and i think the problem then is that people start to resort to uh to um, people who are maybe outside these regulated professions for advice and that's when we can come on stock if we're not careful so We've, we've got to navigate this path knowing that, uh, that the research is maybe slightly, you know, catching up a little bit, uh, but be discerning when we are seeking out information, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and just be your own, your own investigative reporter. Get, you know, really find it out for yourself because until this information is more readily available, then that's really what every woman has to do. And that's why I, too, have my own podcast, Moving Through Menopause, I call it. Uh, so I talk all about all the different topics that are pertinent to women uh, transitioning uh, through menopause, up to, through and beyond. And uh, trying for myself to learn as much as I can and then to share this with people who are interested to know more. You just mentioned that you had the first female skeleton in the UK, and and I just now it just now kind of dawned on me. Yeah, mm. all the skele all the mock skeletons I've seen have been can, could be decide decidedly male because mm. you know there's you know a female skeleton I guess you assume has a wider pelvis area. So yeah. well, you and the one the ones you look at <laughs> here's the skeleton. What's that? Well, in uh, you know in school when I was a physiotherapist, I mean that was thirty odd years ago. They show you the skeleton and they would say, here's the pelvis. And of course, the female's pelvis is wider. And that's kind of right. as far as it went. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I hadn't realized that. So, see, again, learn something new every day. There you go. <laughs> so, just, uh, just kind of transition to something else here, just a little bit here. So, I was looking through your website and you had a video, a short video there, where you talked about sitting on the floor, you know, oh, yeah, get, yeah. yeah, getting up, getting up and, you know, standing up off the floor and sitting back down to the floor yeah. and the certain points of contact in which you would raise yourself. I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool because I've been talking to, to that, to my own peeps, uh, not a lot, but to some degree, it just has something eas easily enough they can do on their own at home when they're not with me, you mm -hmm. know, and I practice it myself too, because, um, I have this floor, pillow, you know, this floor cushion that I just kind of sit up, you know, I'm in the, mo in the morning, I have my coffee or whatever. I'm just sitting there on this floor. And um, I talk about this because it helps with one, like uh, hip mobility hmm. and, you know, being able to carry your own weight on and off of surfaces. 
um, is kind of a great way to train yourself to be stronger mm -hmm. and to avoid things like imbalances and falls and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. again, you know, as we get older, that is more and more of an issue because mm -hmm. if you go to any emergency room, you'll see any number of older people coming in there from just falling, Yeah, you know? And if, and if they're on a blood thinner or anything like that, falling down and possibly hitting their head is considered a trauma, just a mm -hmm. fall. I'm not mm -hmm. talking about like a car, speeding car crash, just a fall in their kitchen or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought that was cool. So I, I, I was really kind of impressed that you were, you were, when you probably were on to this before me, obviously, but I was really impressed that, you know, you were speaking to that as vividly as you were. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's a bit around, you know, when you said what's functional training, the ability right. to get on and off the ground. And actually this was something I, I I came across a research study where I think I forget his name, but it was this, I think he's Spanish. And uh, he used this as a test, a predictor for mortality. So, mm -hmm. and it's that ability to get on and off the ground without having to use your hands. So um, <clears throat> any point of contact that is uh, other than you pushing yourself up from the ground with your feet, uh, from your feet only, it get, you get a point and so uh, you score points when you touch you know different body parts and 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 you know the thing is that um i i could do it as it happens uh you know without practicing really i could do it but then it was you know i'm constantly on and off the ground teaching pilates mat classes and uh, yoga okay. you know you're constantly on and off the ground so then I put together 25 movement hacks that will help you to be able to do this because, uh, you know, what are the capabilities? What are the, what's the functionality that allows us to do this? So leg muscle strength is one of them. Hip mobility, absolutely. I mean, some people are just really never blessed with supple hips, are they? And we can only do what we can do, but, um, you know, if it is that your hip, hips were once very supple and then they get less supple, then movements can make a difference, essentially. So, yeah, I, you know, I put together this whole list of different things that you could do and uh, videos of things you could do to uh, to then tackle this test again at the end. And hopefully you'd be able to do it or you'd be better at it. But, you know, it is the different people have do different bits of research, don't they? This particular chap thought um, he would correlate our ability to get on and off the ground with the subsequent mortality. And he found that there was a, a positive association so that if we are, uh, you know, quick and able to get on and off the ground, then we're likely to live longer. Um, so, you know, I, these little things may speak to me because, um, like I said, handling your own body weight, that ability to get on and off the ground, to uh, to get down and play with grandchildren. People talk about, oh, you know, it's just such a shame that I can't get down and play with my grandchildren or, uh, you know, this, that and the other. And, um, and, and, you know, gardening tasks that people really enjoy doing, things that become then prohibited because of our inability to be able to do these things and there's always there are workarounds as well as the thing that i didn't put in my videos you know grab a chair and use that to help yourself to get up because you know what as soon as you stop doing these things then that's when you know it starts to head south isn't it so the idea that we can we can um continue to 
explore the boundaries and prevent our worlds from shrinking because of our inability to do certain things. And I mean, you know, your body is always going to find a workaround if it can. It'll, it'll resort to the path of least resistance. And, but unfortunately, that path of least resistance is, is not a path I want to go down anyway. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, in a way, it is kind of a path of least, of least resistance because by doing these things now, you're saving yourself some trouble down the line. So, you, you know, if, if right. you want, if you want, Right. If you want things to be more complicated and more difficult for you, then, yeah, you can just do whatever you want and not give it a second <laughs> thought. So but uh, the reason I latched on to this, um, this idea of just like sitting on the floor, not a lot. I still have furniture. I sit in, mm-hmm. in a chair now. Yeah. But, um, you know, just a small practice of it. It's easy enough to do. It doesn't require a lot of exertion. And, you know, you can like I said, you can sit and drink coffee and do it. You can be on your laptop and you can do it. And it's something you can do every day very easily. And it's once again, once you do it enough times, then eventually your body will remold itself. You know, you're not going to see a, you're not going to see a quantum leap of ability from doing it just alone, but you know, it's a beginner and Mm. it helps out and it still helps out a great deal. Yeah, absolutely. I I think you're definitely right in as much as simple things simple strategies that uh, that on the face of it people might think oh well that that doesn't seem very difficult but it's it's a way in it's a way for us to to approach this whole movement philosophy uh, as a way of life right. you know have a dumbbell next to the kettle or your coffee pot you you know what's whatever it is keep it simple but do it often <laughs> Right, right, exactly. I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy before. He has a big YouTube channel. He's in the UK. The Bioneer, he calls himself. Oh, no, the Bioneer. Yeah, the Bioneer. Oh, he's he's a young guy. He's slightly younger than I. I have his book. I'm trying to find out what his name is. Adam something or another. Uh, um, but here he is, Adam Sisnik, Sisnicki or something okay. like that. I'm going to look him up. Uh, yeah, the Bioneer. He has a lot of videos talking about functional training and he calls it super functional training because he explores all these different things about um, moving your body. So everything from yoga to weight training to parkour, parkour, things, things like that. And he, it's relatable because he's a family man. He's got a wife, he's got children and he still, he does finds all this time to do all this stuff. And he relates it in a way that an average person, you know, can can actually get into it. And that's kind of why I've, why I've latched onto it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talks about the kind of the same things, like while you're standing there waiting for the kettle to go off, you know, do some halos or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, things like, like look, find, find reasons here and there, sprinkle it throughout your life and it will build up over time, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, so I'm giving, giving you a shout out now, Adam, if you're hearing this, I don't know. <laughs> so go, uh, go the pioneer. So yeah, he's, I think you would relate to him a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to look him up. I, I love that, uh, that halo that you just did, mm-hmm. um, you know, shoulder mobility, all these things we don't realize we can't do it anymore. Uh, you know, and that's that's the thing that uh, for me, people, like when was it that I stopped being able to balance? When did that happen? You know, mm-hmm. we're taken by surprise because, right. not, you know, if we're not, 
having a regular movement practice that has certain requirements, mobility requirements, strength requirements, then we can, can it can go unnoticed. And, uh, and so shoulder mobility, you know, can be really um, difficult. Just reaching for the seatbelt in the car, mm -hmm. uh, you know, getting up to uh, scratch between your shoulder blades. Uh, I go on about that all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, simple things, handling uh, heavy cookware, you know, right. uh, picking up grandchildren. So, so it is... Um, that, that halo, I've started doing that recently in my classes, holding on to a soft Pilates ball and taking it around yeah. your head. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah, I like it too. And, you know, you can up it too. And, you know, you can just do it with a simple bar, you know, like a, you know, a simple, handle. right, a broom handle or something like some, you know, like that. Or yeah. and then once you, once you get, once you get more into it, you can, pick up a kettlebell and start doing that. So now it's weighted. So mm. now, you know, it's more mm. of a challenge. And so, you know, just try doing about 10 of those in each direction or something. Again, I mean, the, the, what I like a lot about the stuff, functional training exercise, wherever else is because um, it's playful, you know, mm. and that's part of, that's part of his, that's part of his appeal too. Like he's playful. Mm. Like he come out and he comes out and say, he relates a lot of this stuff to like comic book characters and action heroes, like, Wow. Train like Superman, train like Batman, train like like whoever these anime people are. I don't follow anime, but he's big. No, no. He he really geeks out on it, and he owns that. And yeah. I'm kind of the same way. I geek out on this kind of stuff here. I still want to be able to do what Batman, train like Batman, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but, yeah. I, mean, I admire you, and I admire him for feel for being that way. And unfortunately, I was born uh, being about 85 before I even left the womb, I think. I've always been an old soul and I've always been very serious. And, uh, and so I, I find that it's kind of difficult sometimes for me to, to be that playful person. I'm mm -hmm. more likely the person who might just tell you off, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, it's just my genetic makeup, I guess. So that's partly why Pilates appeals to me so much because of the regimented approach to movement. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And play fast. But, but there's I there's mean, a place for that. Well, yes, not quite. Uh, but I, I, so for me, I err towards that end of the scale. And so for me, I need to really, or, or it would be good for me to explore a little bit more around the, the playful element. I did yoga on a paddleboard last summer. Do you think that counts as playful? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I mean, and I don't want to get too far off, off topic here, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, and I, I've started incorporating this even more. Like if, you know, cause in the area I'm working with, if I don't find something that I think that I want to work with and I've gotten in the habit of like rigging things together safely as I can, rigging things together for myself and the people I work with that they can use it for, um, the exercise that we're working in, um, you know, just little things here and there, um, outside of having any official equipment. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the exploratory, the exploratory, the experimental elements of it, the mm. playfulness of it. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I don't, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but if I do something too often or just months and months and without any variety, I'm getting bored oh. and I crave something a little bit else. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I, uh, I don't know that I've taught two classes the same. 
I'm really every, you know, every movement that we make, uh, I'm trying constantly, well, not even trying, it's right. for my own benefit, probably, like you said. But no, it is important. You say off topic. We're not getting off topic because, you know, as part of a menopausal transition, for us to reconnect with that playful, youthful side of ourselves and, you know, give yourself permission to have fun and, and really enjoy this part of your lives mm-hmm. and uh, and make movements a part of that and make it fun and and get together with other people and enjoy community and um, yeah, and try new things and different things and uh, and just you know just find that that sort of happy spot where uh, you're doing enough, not too much, and mm-hmm. uh, and you're feeling the benefit. Exactly, exactly. Philippa, as we're going to start to wind down now, uh, I have a closing tradition on this show where I ask the the person that I'm uh, speaking to, because we talk about a lot of things. We've run over an hour now. We've talked about a lot of things. And I asked them to try, if you can summarize, or not summarize, but maybe leave people with one thing to walk away with. If nothing else, if they walked away with nothing else from this, what would you like them to remember? It's your body, and it's your job to look after it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and so... And, and head on a journey with your own self, your own body. Make time for this stuff. It's, it's fun. It's a, a journey of discovery. And it's really, really important. And anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. And we all stand to gain from doing it. And it's never too late. There you go. I think that's wonderfully said. Philippa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sean. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I hope your listeners will find something they can take away and run with. (laughs) I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Where can people find you at? Where's where's the connective links? Well, I'm uh, my website, uh, precision.co.uk. Now, I spelt it with a Z, Sean. That was probably a mistake. Although, no, that's quite an American thing to do, isn't it? (laughs) P-R-E-C-I-Z-I-O-N. Oh. Well, I mean, I'll put, I mean, I'll put oh, okay. all your, okay. I'll put all your connective links all in the show notes. Thank you. So it'll, it'll be right. And then I do this for everybody and it'll be there handy. All your social media, your website. Um, I noticed you've also got a couple of books out there too. So if you want me to connect people with that, I can do that. That, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not so far as uh, as being a published author, but what I have is training courses that I've published. Okay. So, yeah, a couple of training courses, menopause for manual therapists and uh, right. lower limb biomechanics of the lower limb. So I'm getting all technical in that course. But Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, some, you got it. The technical, the technical uh, aspects are guides, guiding lights. I mean, mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's kind of like writing. You know, you got to learn what the rules of writing are before you can decide I'm going to break them and do something else. You know, so like something like that. I guess. But uh, um, yeah, so I'll put all that stuff on there. Um, the website, the social media, uh, the training courses. If you would like that on there as well, as a more of a direct link. I know they can get it to your website, but if you want them to actually be able to click once and get there. I can do that too. Okay. But um, again, thank you so much uh, for your time. This has been a great conversation. I love talking to like-minded people here. There's a real flow. There's a real uh, shorthand. 
that kind of kicks in that is just wonderful to me. And uh, I hope I hope it was for you as well. It was. Thank you, Sean. It was. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. This has been the Fitness Reborn podcast. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Move forever. Peace out. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can become a supporter of the show by becoming a monthly subscriber. No commitments. Cancel anytime. Every little bit helps. And I'd sure love your support. Also, you can click any of the links to our social media platforms provided in the show notes. And you can email me at renfitnesswarriors at gmail.com. That's ren, R-E-N, fitnesswarriors at gmail.com. If you got a fitness story to tell, I'd love to hear it. You never know. You might just find yourself on the show. Until next time, train hard. Peace.